Funding for Think comes from SMU Master of Liberal Studies programs. You're listening to Think on KERA 90.1. I'm Chris Boyd. What does it take to be part of a happy couple if you need a lot of solitude to feel like yourself? Introverts are no less interested in love than extroverts, and their preference for deep connection over trivial conversation can make them thoughtful, supportive partners. First, though, they sometimes need to overcome reluctance to put themselves out there in order to meet someone special. And both partners need to understand what an introvert needs to feel fulfilled and cherished. My guest is here with first-person perspective on how to make it all work. Writer Sophia Dembling's new book is called Introverts in Love, The Quiet Way to Happily Ever After. Sophia, welcome back to Think. Always happy to be here. Most of us have learned by now that like drawing up a laundry list of qualities um, that we're going to expect to check off when we meet the one is like a losing proposition. However, you think it does make sense to think in broad terms, if you're an introvert, do you want an introvert or an extrovert? If you're an extrovert, do you want an introvert or an extrovert? It does. I mean, in broad terms, really, you can't predict where Cupid ar- Cupid's arrow is going to go. And so you may say, well, I want an introvert and end up with an extrovert. I think one of the benefits of thinking about it ahead of time is that whoever you end up with, you're going to know that these issues can arise. And sometimes these issues come disguised as other problems. You know, you want to be with your friends more than me may not be about you want to be with your friends more than me. It may be about I need to stay home sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so it can kind of direct you towards some issues that are worth thinking about when you're in a relationship, whether with another introvert or with an extrovert. That's a great point, too, because it can be a source of conflict and it feels to one partner or the other like a rejection when it may just be, I want to stay home, not because I don't want to be with you, but because I need some time, or I want to go out, not because I want to leave you home on the couch, but because I need human contact. Exactly. And if you start discussing those ahead of time, in fact, in the book, I have a, I discuss, I talk to a therapist, and one of the things she does with couples who are having trouble is have them take sort of a shortened Myers-Briggs mm. so that they can see it right there in writing and start talking about things from that perspective instead of arguing about the top layer of what's happening. So for introverts who are not coupled up and would like to be, um, you know, most people think, well, go to a bar with some friends or go to a bunch of parties. That may not sound like a lot of fun. It doesn't. A lot of it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Unfortunately, to a certain extent, you you got to get yourself out there. It's unlikely love's going to walk into your living room unless you're <laughs> online dating, which I also have a chapter about. But yeah, there's a certain amount of biting the bullet and getting out there, but um, and I have a chapter that says called Just Say Yes, where I suggest that anything that you doesn't sound like absolute torture, you say yes to. The secret being is that telling yourself always, promising yourself that when you're ready to leave, you can leave. It makes it a lot easier to say yes if you then say, I can go when I've had enough. And you really do need to sort of get out there and, and go to events, go to things that you think you'll succeed at. If you go to a bar and you're just overwhelmed and you can't compete for attention or fight for attention, it doesn't matter. If you could go there and not feel good about yourself, then that doesn't pay. But a small party or a dinner party or other kind of group gathering where you can have time to warm up to people, you're, gonna, you're likely to succeed there on your own terms, and that's worth going to. A lot of people think um, they spend a lot of time sort of stressing over how to make that introduction to someone that they're interested in. And you say, stop sweating. It doesn't have to be dazzling. Um, Sincere and friendly is 
very often just right. Really all it takes. I think that's one thing that we can really learn from extroverts is that small talk is meant to be small. It's it's not meant to be. You don't have to make an impression. You don't have to be profound. What you're doing is simply making a human connection and letting it build slowly. You know, I mean, really, you don't want to walk up to somebody and bare your soul right away. They're going to run. <laughs> red flag. <laughs> yeah, big red flag. So, yeah, introverts have the sort of a shame, I think, about small talk because they sound shallow or it sounds, you know, unintellectual. But really, it's small talk for a reason. And if you can get comfortable with it, it makes it a lot easier to make lightweight connections. Does it make sense for introverts to tell their extrovert friends that they're looking or is that just opening the door for a lot of scary stuff? <laughs> I think it, it pays to tell anybody, it, particularly people who you believe, understand, and know you, people who understand your introversion. Um, but again, if you don't know whether you're going to be better off with an introvert or extrovert, first dates, you know, what is it? It's an evening, you know, a blind date, a fix-up. It's a couple of hours of your life. And if it doesn't work, you go on with your life and it doesn't matter. So yeah, why not let people know you're looking? These days, I guess the advice on first dates is always that each person bring their own transportation. So mm -hmm. that's ideal for an introvert, right? If, if it's Absolutely. time to go, you can go. I also, it's something to sometimes suggest for uh, introvert-extrovert couples going to a party, bring bring two cars. And so if the introvert needs to go and the extrovert's having a blast, nobody suffers. Some people like a drink or two to kind of make things seem more comfortable. Um, I, I guess you would say a, a cautious You'd have some cautious advice on that? Yeah, I mean, really, one drink, two drinks maybe, depending on who you are, will make you relaxed and easy. But when you go beyond that, it's just middle-of-the-night shame attacks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just not worth it. Um, what do introverts need to know if they are sort of coupling up with an extrovert? What can they expect that is awesome, and what can they expect that, you know, could potentially be an issue? Well, one of the interesting things I found in interview, I talked to about 50 introverts for this book, and some were in relationships and some weren't, and newlyweds and longtime marriages. And really, it's 50-50 introverts with introverts and introverts with extroverts. And the introverts who are the extroverts, most of them really liked being with somebody who brought a social life to them. They kind of do the heavy lifting mm -hmm. of creating a social life and sort of also set an example for interaction. Extroverts can be really good running interference for introverts, you know, and kind of letting family know, for example, look, you know, he's having a great time. He's just quiet and going to sit in the corner. Don't don't hassle him right. about it, that kind of thing. Um, as far as the conflicts, of course, there's the going out versus staying in conflict and, and having the introvert, the extrovert understand that it is not a rejection when you need time by yourself. It's a whole negotiation to get intimacy and um, independence, you know, and solitude. Um, and conflict itself can be different or difficult between introverts and extroverts because extroverts are sort of likely to be more get it all out there and spill it, and that can shut an introvert down. It, it gets overwhelming. Introverts tend to need a little time to think through before they respond. And so if you talk about that ahead of time and say, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be able to answer you right away. I'm going to need to go and you know, sit and think about it, and then I'll come back and talk. So again, it's, it's, it's something that can be a conflict if you don't know it's going to happen. But if you can head it off at the pass, it just it becomes a negotiation. So what happens when two introverts fall in love? Well, it's wonderful for those of them, those who are wanting somebody to stay home with. I, I talked to one couple, the woman had been married to an extrovert and found it very difficult and exhausting. And she divorced and now she's married to an introvert and she just couldn't be happier. Um, the 
the risks include isolating too much. You know, I, I believe very strongly that we need a larger network. If nothing else, if the relationship ends, you're going to want to have people yeah. to shoulders to cry on. Um, but, you know, you can sort of uh, encourage your own worst tendencies as to becoming a hermit. And another risk, again, is conflict. Introverts tend to, I have to talk in very broad general generalizations, uh, not be very confrontational. And so problems can just kind of get swept under the table and not dealt with. I did speak to one introvert who had been married uh, to an introvert, and she believes that's why the relationship fell apart, partly because neither of them would bring things up and deal with it. And many of the introverts I spoke to said, yeah, I don't, you know, I shut down. So, you know, again, it's a great thing to have somebody who understands your need for the solitude and who can give you that space. But you have to make sure you're not just, you know, one therapist I spoke to called it flatlining, where you're just kind of not talking things out, just kind of sitting quietly all the time. Do you need, do you think people in the early stages of relationship need to say, by the way, I'm an introvert? Or will this be apparent to anybody you get to know pretty well? I'm not sure it'll be apparent yet. I think we're getting a lot more information out there about what introversion is and how it affects so many parts of our lives. Um, but one thing is that a lot of times you'll, you'll, somebody will say, oh, I'm an introvert, and everybody will go, no, you know, you're not. I see you all the time, and you're out meeting people. Well, most of us can behave as extroverts when we need to or when we want to. And so people are seeing us in our extrovert mode and might not necessarily realize that we're introverts. I mean, I don't think it necessarily something you put on the table on a first date, although it's a topic of conversation. But I think it can come up because when you start getting into issues, something I also cover in a chapter in the book of, you know, text versus telephone, how often do we have to call, how often do we have to get together, this sort of thing. So if you get it out early, again, it, it kind of gets it out there so that you're not considering yourselves incompatible for reasons that really have nothing to do with the deep compatibility. Frequency and style of communication really can be a big deal, especially in an early relationship. If you are with someone who thinks it's not it's not a thing unless you're talking for 90 minutes on the phone every night or getting together every night, um, other people can be really fond of someone and say, I'll call you every four days and we'll talk for five minutes and check in. Yeah, yeah. And that's something you've got to find the middle ground with. I, mean, I don't like to say that it's not all about extroverts. Uh, you know, compromising towards introverts' ways. The introverts are going to have to do some of that too. But, you know, if, if you're texting every 10 minutes, it's a little bit scary. Or if you do expect a daily phone call, some introverts are really uncomfortable with that. Uh, they might have to compromise towards, you know, maybe the every other day or that kind of thing. Again, it's it's a risk of flatlining. If you're taking too much solitude, then do you want to be in a relationship at all? Uh, but it's something that really can be just talked out. My husband and I have a thing. You know, he does not like texting and emailing that much. But he'll do it for me for a while. But if there's, you know, five texts going back and forth to make a plan, it's time to pick up the phone. And, and I know that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's also, you know, there are people who, for whatever reason, don't feel like they're meant to be coupled up. If not, maybe not forever, but in the moment. And that's okay, too. Can you talk about... How do you assert that to people who think there must be something wrong if you are, for the time being, happily alone? You know, really what other people think of us is, is not our business in a way. And I think it's true. It's, I think that people who choose to remain signal, single suffer the kind of stigma that introverts are, are just starting to fight pushback against. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that you can ever persuade somebody who believes that 
fulfillment comes in coupledom, that you're okay. I think you just have to decide that you're okay with it yourself. Um, I spoke to um, Bella DiPaolo, who's an expert on people who stay single by choice. And, um, you know, she talked about are you are you single because you're avoiding something or because you're embracing something? And those are the kind of things that if you start understanding, maybe you can start explaining that to somebody else. It's not that I don't want to be with somebody. It's just that I have so much that satisfies me alone that I don't need that. And it's just not a priority for me. It's a great way to frame it, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought so. So uh, online dating can be really helpful for an introvert. Quite a few of the couples I spoke to in my book met online. There's a lot of benefits. We're, we're, we tend to be um, skilled at expressing ourselves in writing, introverts. It's a comfortable way. It's not, uh, we don't have to think on our feet, you know, really fast. We can think things through and, and respond in our own uh, time. It also, we get to know each other a little bit ahead of time, so it takes a little bit about it, of the awkwardness out of when we finally meet because we already have sort of gotten some of the chit-chat out of the right. way and we're ready to... The risk introverts face is dragging on the emailing too long. You know, I did uh, interview an, an expert in online dating. Who knew? And she talked about that. She said, you know, if you if you get on... if you in emailing too long, you sort of get to the point where you've almost started a relationship without knowing whether there's any chemistry. Mm-hmm. So you want to get together, and that way there's not going to be broken hearts and hurt feelings before you've even really met. My guest is writer Sophia Dembling. Her new book is called Introverts in Love, The Quiet Way to Happily Ever After. If you'd like to join this conversation with a question or to share an experience, we would love to hear from you at 1-800-933-5372. You can also email think at kera.org or send me a tweet at Chris Boyd Think. Funding for Think comes from SMU Master of Liberal Studies programs. Accepting applications for summer and fall to design your own Master of Liberal Studies degree at SMU with concentrations in human rights, creative writing, and organizational dynamics. More at smu.edu slash mls. You're listening to Think on KERA 90.1. I'm Chris Boyd. We're speaking this hour with writer Sophia Dembling. Her new book is called Introverts in Love, The Quiet Way to Happily Ever After. If you'd like to join us, you can call 1-800-933-5372, email think at kera.org, or send me a tweet at Chris Boyd Think. Okay, so let's assume we've done the online dating thing. We're ready to meet. Um, but then there's that level, I think introvert or extrovert, there's that level of you know anxiety and, and how do I get this right? Any thoughts? I think that 
taking some of the pressure of your, off yourself on a first date is is important. I mean, really, it is just a couple of hours of your life. Um, for introverts, in a way, this is where we start shining because we're very good at one-on-one and we're good listeners and we're good conversationalists and we're good at drawing people out. And so really, if you've met somebody, you've kind of done the hard part. Um, and then you can just go and, you know, the classic... Uh, advice is be yourself. Um, some of the interesting, I did look, do some reading into first dates, and some of the things, interesting things I found, for example, is don't dress to impress, dress to feel good, hmm. dress to feel comfortable and like yourself. Um, I also suggest that doing something rather than just sitting across the table can be helpful. Sometimes, for example, conversation walking side by side is less um, awkward than sitting face to face. Or, you know, dinner and a movie is classic, but maybe go to the movie first and then you've got a topic to lead into dinner and that sort of thing. Um, So events are activities where you're not just trying to get to know each other, but you're a little bit distracted can be helpful. 1-800-933-5372 1-800-933-5372 is our telephone number. Let's speak with, um, looks like Tarek in Dallas. Hi, Tarek. Well, hi, Chris. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Love your show, and I think it's a great conversation we're having. I just uh, wanted to comment um, about relationships with introverts. Um, I do feel it's a trend, especially with introverts nowadays, that they tend to be a bit more picky and also less willing to compromise in a, in a relationship. What do you think? I think that's absolutely true. I think one of the one of the uh, soapboxes I get on a lot with introverts is that there's a lot of and, and I understand there's a lot of hostility because introverts have been told for so long that their way is wrong. I like somehow you're different. damaged. Yeah, yeah, you're damaged goods. And so they're angry and they're sort of relieved to be validated. And so, yeah, they're getting it's, it's sort of the pendulum has swung in the other direction. But I do think it's very, very important that introverts start learning what what it is that extroverts need. I, I For my blog, I actually have what I call my board of extroverts, where I'll <laughs> go to them with questions. You know, why do extroverts do that or what do they want? And um, I think that it, it is. It's equally important. It's we're yin and yang. We're peanut butter and jelly. We both have our place and our, our function you know, in the way the world works, and we have to respect it in each other. So that can be like a really beautiful symbiosis if you have an introvert with an extrovert, but you can also have a situation in which the extrovert is happy and maybe without even realizing kind of soaking up all the energy from the introvert, and the introvert is getting or taking or feeling entitled to less and less. It is, and that's that's where sort of this, what they're calling the introvert positive movement is is, um, bringing out. And I think that what happens is when we start realizing where introversion comes into play, you know, you could you could look at this as, if you were a member of that couple as, oh, this extrovert is so thoughtless and so demanding and so narcissistic, and that's the problem. But if you start thinking it in terms of introversion and extroversion, you start thinking, well, wait a minute, am I not asserting my needs? Am I not speaking up? Am I expecting this person to draw me out, which I think a lot of introverts have done in, in the past or do do? And it starts to change the issue when we start owning the introversion and not just sort of waiting for the world to notice us. It's just now started dawning on me that that my husband cannot read my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that a pain? He's been telling me that for years, but I think um, it's starting to like finally sing through my head. Um, Let's go back to the phones now. We have Ben on the line in Dallas. Hey, Ben. Hey, Chris. Love the show. I'm really excited about this conversation. Oh, thank um, you. My wife is an introvert. I am an extrovert, an extreme extrovert. She's also a therapist, so we have actually conversations about this all the time. 
Um, but my, and on top of that, I think our Myers Briggs are exactly the opposite. So we have a lot of a lot of opposites going on. Um, but my question is, I was I was hoping or wondering um, if your guests might have just some ideas for for dates. Um, you know, I love taking my wife out on dates, and as an like an extrovert, thinking of an introvert, it's really hard to think. Oh, yeah, this is what she. You know, like what kinds of things um, can an expert do? What kinds of dates can can an expert uh, kind of put together for an introverted? Um, yeah. Thanks for your call. What a nice question. Um, You know, I really like personally being outdoors and hiking, you know, picnic, which is corny but wonderful, quiet places. I tend to like sort of familiar places. I don't need to be – I like going to the the hot restaurant of the moment, but I'm also perfectly happy having a wonderful meal in some place I know and love. Um, You know, any any of her – particular interests, a museum, a museum and lunch at the museum, or, you know, the Fort Worth uh, Cultural District is a wonderful place, just messing around and going to the museums and going to the stores. Uh, anything by the by the uh, river there in Fort Worth is nice. So I, I would think of places where there's not a lot of uh, act, bustle, hustle and bustle and noise and, you know, shouting over music and that sort of thing can be really pleasant. Any thoughts uh, on the other side, what an introvert could do to maybe delight an extrovert on a date? Well, the rest is, of the, probably the hot restaurant yeah. of the moment where things where things are happening, um, uh, you know, concerts and events. Uh, I, now, I do really like going to concerts. I, I like places where I can just kind of sit and watch a crowd. I love going to baseball games. Um, we both, my husband and I, both like baseball, and I like being among large groups of people if I don't have to interact with any mm-hmm. of them. And so that can be a really perfect. Um, that can kind of meet both introvert and extrovert needs, I think. And also, you know, getting together with friends. You know, meeting meeting friends, a group of friends for dinner. Uh, if if your partner is an extrovert, so that they get all that fun interaction, you're with people you know and like, which makes it easier, or hopefully like, uh, and you can kind of sit back and just be your introverted self while your extrovert gets to soak up the kind of interaction that he or she needs. And it's interesting because there's, it's only, you know, the party can only get so big if you're all meeting at a restaurant as <laughs> opposed to saying, let's invite people to the house and it could be 60 people before you're done. Right, right. Well, now, I have to say that I like giving parties um, and a lot of introverts do because I... I I, I have control of my airspace. I have to be busy, so I, if I get feel like I'm starting to get kind of lost in chit chat where it's not comfortable, I can go. I have to go do something, you know. I know everybody. I, it's all people I want to see for the most part. So sometimes giving a party for me is a lot easier than going to a party, particularly a large party. Let's talk about the things, um, and you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but the things that um, we can do for introvert partners to make a party easier. If we're at someone else's house, um, there's some, like, hidden cues that we can give each other. Yes, the look when it's time to leave, perhaps, or when it's time to rescue somebody from chit-chat. Sometimes you might need to sort of cover for your introverted partner if they need to kind of step away and take a walk or, you know, if you're in like a family situation where it's a weekend of family and they need to get away, you can sort of say, oh, yeah, you know, she's fine. She just went for a walk. Um, letting people know and letting having those signals, all introverts have the signals that says, okay, I've had enough. It's time to go. And kind of keeping an eye on your introvert and making sure that 
you know, introverts tend to be magnets for chatterboxes as well because we're such good listeners. You can't break away. You right. can't break away. Yeah. And you tend to. I finally learned to stop making little encouraging noises and asking thoughtful questions when I really feel like I'm getting taken advantage of is what it really is with a chatterbox. So if you see that your partner is trapped by somebody, kind of get over there and help them out, <laughs> rescue them a little bit. So it, it's kind of nice to know that you have somebody at a party who's keeping an eye out and, and you know, going to step in if they feel like you're reaching your, your introvert threshold. How do you broach the subject, if it hasn't come up before, of traveling alone? Not for work, but maybe saying, I want to take five days and go hiking or do something, and, and I love you, but I, I want to be by myself. Carefully. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do. I love to travel by myself, and I did a lot of it before I got married, before my husband and I met. And I think that if you are a person who has done it a lot, that gives you an entree to the conversation. Right. You know, this has always been something I've done, and I would like to continue doing it. Um, and I think you kind of balance it out. It's like, okay, I would like to take this trip alone. Let's take the next trip together. And, um, you know, keep in touch. My husband and I did not keep in touch most a, a lot when we first when I first started traveling by myself. And we kind of thought, well, that's kind of odd. So now we're a lot better about that. And kind of when you come home, make sure that they feel spe- that, you, that their t- your, your time is now theirs. Right. It's sort of like I'm taking my time and now I am 100 percent yours. I mean, I do, when I come back from a trip, I probably do more listening than talking Mm -hmm. because I've been having this lovely time and he's been here holding down the fort and doing his work. And so if he needs to unload, I feel like, okay, that's, you know, kind of the least I can do (laughs) is, is just listen. So it's sort of partly how you approach it from the front and then it's how you be behave at the end. You know, when you're back. And I guess if totally separate trips don't fly, there's always the option of going somewhere together and saying, I've planned this wonderful tour for myself of, you know, vineyards or something. And I know that you're really interested in this. And so, you know, let's both do our own thing on this one day. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a really great idea. And I think that if you're with somebody who can't allow that to happen, you know, provided you're not already committed, you you want to think, is, do, am I willing to give this up? Can I give this up without resentment in order to stay in this relationship? Um, and that's something worth g- discussing. It's like I, I think my husband knew that I could not be happy if I wasn't able to travel by myself sometimes. And that's really Im- an important part of who I am. And so it's worth bringing it up. If it, t- if it looks like it's going to be an ongoing problem, it's worth really getting down and serious discussion about it. So it sounds like you were never a fan of, do you remember the rules like 10 or 15 years ago, this thing about like, just pretend to be whatever the guy wants you to be. That's not going to work. It's not going to work. And I think that's what introverts have tried to be for a very long time. And that this that's why there's all this sort of resentment bubbling to the surface now when they realize, hey, I don't have to do that. 1-800-933-5372 is our telephone number. Let's speak to Megan in Mansville. Hi, Megan. Hi. Hi, go right ahead, please. Um, I just have a comment. Uh, my husband and I have been married for a little over 10 years, and I'm an extrovert. He's an introvert. And through the years, I find myself not being as extroverted, and he isn't quite the introvert as he used to be. Um, and I want to know if you've seen that and you know, in your topic and your research throughout the years of, of those characteristics. Interesting question. It is. That is. And I think that's such a, a great example of 
having negotiated and found that that middle ground, I think that's really pretty ideal. And I think there is a certain amount of that that happens um, between couples, just like everything else we start looking alike and, you know, <laughs> liking the same foods and stuff. But I think that's a really good sign that you're finding that middle ground um, to, to where you meet and can do things together and not have to go off and be introverted and extroverted alone. Uh, we have an email here from Christiana who says, I'm an introvert and so is my husband. I knew my husband was the man to marry because I actually wanted to always be in his presence and preferred that to being alone. There's no greater clue to a great relationship than that, in my opinion. I think that's absolutely right. The people that we can be quiet with, that that's to me and to many introverts the, the true sign of love is that you can be alone together or together alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, oh, it went out of my head. Well, let, let's talk a little bit more about that because I think for some people, sitting in a room with you know one person on the computer, one person reading a book sounds lovely. And for other people, that sounds like a weird, creepy distance between two people who are supposed to be communicating. Isn't that odd? I, I know. I, I actually got into a little bit of a tiff with somebody on Facebook because they were talking about seeing a couple – eating breakfast, brunch al fresco, and they each had not Kindles or something. And she was like, oh, it's just appalling. And, you know, how could they be like this? This is a very extreme extrovert. And I thought, well, they could just be reading the newspaper together. You know, that to me sounds lovely. It just so happens they're reading it on a Kindle. And it's true. I think for some people it, it looks really appalling. And um, for us it's, it's a sign of deep intimacy and, and comfort. Um, and what I was going to say, that's right, is that um, – a lot of introverts find that once they've gotten comfortable with their spouse, it changes how they it, – it, it's like stressful. The early parts of dating feel stressful and it feels like socializing. But the more comfortable you get, the more you do feel like, well, I'm, I can recharge with this person in the room. I don't need to get away 100 percent in order to recharge. And I think that happens as they get familiar and comfortable. Does that happen at approximately the same time that, you know, people stop making sure their shirt is ironed or that they've, you know, like freshly blow dried their hair? Is it that sort of thing? Does it track with that? You know, I I don't know. I've never really thought about that. It could be, but I imagine it's something fairly individual, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have an email here um, that asks, are introverts half the population not the exception um, according to recent research, as opposed to commonly thought of as one third, do we know how many people are introverts? And that's extroverts? it appears that it's more like fifty percent. It, it, from what I've read and understand, that seventy percent was almost like pulled out of the air. It mm-hmm. was sort of you know some small sample or something. So yeah, it really does appear to be more like half. And I think you'll be surprised at how many people you think of as extroverts actually identify as introverts again because you are seeing them in their extrovert mode. Yeah, and I guess again, you know, there's so many people closer to the middle maybe than on the extremes. Yeah, either absolutely. One eight hundred nine three three five three seven two is our number. Monica is on the phone in Dallas. Hi, Monica. Hi. Um, my question is, I'm I'm an extrovert, married to an introvert, um, and uh, I find though that I have a bunch of different kinds of friends. But uh, often when I make an introverted friend, because I'm I'm a I'm a good listener. I'll I'll just I'll experience what I call kind of the introvert dump. Like suddenly they'll just start talking at me, and for a long, long time, like they've never had anybody <laughs> listen to them. It, have other people experienced that? I mean, or is, is this a common thing for introverts that suddenly somebody's listening to them? 
That's an interesting yes. question. <laughs> it absolutely is. I compare it to running downhill where you just kind of find <laughs> you can't stop and it, it goes and goes and goes. Yes, it happens to me all the time and I try to keep an eye on it. I'll, I'll, I'll hear myself doing it and suddenly stop, you know, don't get me started, you know. And yeah, it is really common. And, you know, depending, I guess, on the, the, the intimacy of the friendship, I have friends where I've said, whoa, time for me to get a word in. You know? <laughs> but yeah, it is actually pretty common with introverts because they also, a lot of them tend to get um, passionate about a topic or a subject mm-hmm. and they get rolling and they just get more and more excited while they're talking about that, that topic. We're speaking to writer Sophia Dembling, whose new book is called Introverts in Love, The Quiet Way to Happily Ever After. You can join the conversation at 1-800-933-5372. You can email think at kera.org or send me a tweet at Chris Boyd Think. Funding for Think comes from SMU Master of Liberal Studies programs. Accepting applications for summer and fall to design your own Master of Liberal Studies degree at SMU with concentrations in human rights, creative writing, and organizational dynamics. More at smu.edu slash MLS. You're listening to Think on KERA 90.1. I'm Chris Boyd, speaking with writer Sophia Dembling about her new book, Introverts in Love, The Quiet Way to Happily Ever After. You can join us at 1-800-933-5372 or send me a tweet at Chris Boyd Think. We have a tweet here from JP who says, My wife is an introvert and I'm an extrovert. This is a fascinating interview. I just realized where most of our arguments come from. Oh, how wonderful. I mean, not that you're wonderful, right. but you're arguing. We but I'm, really, I'm really happy to hear that, that this can enlighten that. Are there good conflict strategies when this is the source of the argument? I think, yeah, it, it's not really the source of the argument as much as it affects the direction the argument takes. Mm. And so I think that the strategies are recognizing what it is you need in order to have a productive discussion. Um, and and it's different from person to person. One introvert I spoke to said that her husband, who's very extroverted, won't let her go off into her uh, was silent, angry corner, I think was her <laughs> wonderful phrase, and will actually drag her out of it and make her talk about it. Whereas another woman said that she needs to hear what's said, and then go and sit by herself and think about it before she can have a productive discussion. So for introverts, actually for introverts and extroverts, to know what it is you need to make the discussion about whatever the topic is Mm -hmm. and not have it spiral off into you won't talk to me or you don't let me get a word in or, you know, that kind of thing can help. And and it, 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 it inoculates you once you understand each other's needs in that sense to later misunderstandings. 1-800-933-5372 is our telephone number. Let's speak with Sonia in Fort Worth. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Chris. How are you? Very well, thanks. Uh, Please, I just heard the lady speak about the one introvert who said she needs to go off and process things for a bit until she understands how she responds to the exchange with, what, the husband? Mm Mm-hmm. I want to say that I found it an extraordinary insight a good many years ago 
uh, I was living with a woman who was a psychologist, so she had a chance to directly chat with me, observe me. She spoke on the phone and met my ex-husband. That's the only context in which she knew him. The world would have said that I was an introvert, an extrovert. She said I was an introvert, and in the terms she understood it, which again illuminates the second lady's experience for me, she said it has to do with the way in which one processes information. It's been enormously helpful to me because she said that she feels that I process information essentially, or that introverts do, gut up. She said, having met my ex-husband on the phone, she described him as an extrovert, and she said that's when one takes in information as it's coming at one, almost slots it immediately for use. And that's enormously illuminating to me, and I think there's a great deal of truth in that. What do you think about it? I think that sounds really right. In, extroverts are um, very likely to shoot from the hip. Mm-hmm. And in one way, I mean, in another uh, context, it makes introverts very good at, like, giving business presentations and stuff because it's very well thought out, whereas extroverts might be a little more extemporaneous. Right. Um, but I think that's that's a really great way of looking at it. So we take it in, and it's sort of, I say we have to take it to our cave and poke a stick at it for a while <laughs> before we're ready to discuss it, whereas extroverts are not afraid to bring it out. And I think that they know if they do throw it out there, it it's not necessarily written in stone. I'm clicheing it up here. But, you know, they throw it out there, and it's open for discussion, whereas once an introvert says what they, what they need to say, they've thought it through. So introverts need to understand to an extent that when extroverts throw all this stuff out of it at them, it's not all thought through. It's not all – they don't have to take it all to heart. What they need to do is just open an exchange about it. That's so brilliant because it's so easy. You know, you can hear something and think – but eight minutes ago, you said this one thing, and now you're saying this other thing. So how can that what, – what, what are you saying? Um, so you have to know the conflict style of the person you're dealing yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. They're going to they're gonna dump it all out there, and introverts might tend to take what they say more seriously and more to heart right away than they need to. I mean, I'm not, I don't suggest that what the extrovert has to say is not important, it is not true, or is not even not thought out, but that there's going to be a lot more sort of um, – superfluous extra stuff around the nut of the issue and you can you can let a lot of that go 1-800-933-5372 is our number let's speak with sue in arlington hey sue yes thank you for taking my call uh would your guest speak to the situation where two introverts have been married for nearly 50 years and i was always uh, teased about where was my spirit of adventure and i left my husband to make to have the voice until 10 years ago I realized I have no voice so what does an introvert <laughs> married to another introvert do can you what do you mean by have a voice uh, as far as decisions I wanted him to have the make the decisions for 40 years of the 50 Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I have noticed that about myself, that I tend to, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you want. I I think that's not one of my finer qualities, and I try to take a grip on it. And I think there's a really an element of, you know, we are deep thinkers, and if you stop and sort of do gut checks every time you need to make a decision, your gut will start telling you what it is you actually want, and then it's up to you to, to, to verbalize it. But I think, yeah, I think we, we tend to be go along to get along, and that's not really 
um, very productive for us. And I think really it's it's kind of annoying to other people. I think just like saying no, I think, can be a gift to other people. If I say no to an invitation, that gives them permission to say no to me if they don't want to. You know, it's sort of like making no an okay thing to say. And I think that asserting yourself and saying what you want is also saying to it, it first of all, it's taking all the it's not giving all the responsibility to another person, which is a lot. But it also says, I'm going to say this, so next time you can say what you want, and we'll we'll be even. We'll you know be fair. One eight hundred nine three three five three seven two is our number. We have Beth on the line in Dallas. Hey, Beth. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I was an excruciatingly shy child and all the way up through high school, really. And I've you know, overcame it as I, as I became an adult. And I'm now an outgoing adult. I don't have trouble making friends. And people who I tell now that I was such a shy child really are, are genuinely surprised. And so I'm curious if it's possible to switch from an introvert to an extrovert or if I really I still feel introverted if I go to a big party I I don't enjoy that the small talk and all that kind of stuff very much but but I wonder if I'm just more often representing as you said my extroverted side or if it's possible to kind of change over as you grow up and mature well I'm going to there's two parts to that that I'm going to address first of all it's real important to understand that introversion and shyness are two different things um, shyness is fear. Introversion is motivation. So shyness is about you want to get out there, but it kind of frightens you. Introversion is, eh, I don't care if I get out there that much. So it is very possible for you to become less shy. Um, introversion does tend to remain stable, but I think at different part times in our lives, we are kind of... Um, exercising her introversion more than other times. For example, I spoke to one couple who the man is an introvert and when he had when they had kids at home, he needed a lot more solitude because home was a little bit more chaotic. Once the kids left, he could kind of be with his wife more, you know, spend more time together. He needed little less uh, recovery time because the home was quieter. So I think we do go through sort of periods in our lives when we're more extroverted or introverted, but the introversion itself probably stays pretty steady. We have an email here from Otto in Nashville who says, I am terribly interested in an introvert living in another city. Is there a safe way of pursuing her that honors her personality? Email. <laughs> it's it's a wonderful way to do it, you know, and I think, you know, everybody likes to be pursued. Introverts in particular, um, I found in talking to them for the book, tend to be pursued more often than the pursuers. And so I think that, you know, if she likes you, nothing's more flattering than, than being um, emailed. And then when the time comes, go to her and sort of let her be in her comfortable space or him um, so that uh, when you do get face-to-face, it's not a sensory overload of a new place and a new person and a new everything. It's often not true, but introverts are sometimes perceived as being kind of aloof. Do you think that adds to a sort of mystique around people who are introverted? Well, I think it for people who like that aloofness, it's a mystique. And for people who don't, it's stuck up. Mm. You know, yeah. I think it, it, it's sort of a Rorschach test. 1-800-933-5372 is our number. John is on the line in Dallas. Hey, John. Hi. Yeah, great show. <clears throat> I'm just curious, has there been any research that might indicate whether uh, an extrovert or an introvert would be more or less inclined to narcissism? I have talked to somebody about, to a researcher about that, and I don't 
recall off the top of my head whether he had done actual research, but he studied narcissism. And in fact, it seems like either one can be narcissistic. I mean, the introvert might be the introvert narcissist might be the one sitting in the corner thinking, I am so superior to all these, you know, yohos. And whereas the the extrovert narcissist is the one who's, you know, sucking up attention everywhere they go. So I I believe that they're not related. An equal opportunity. Equal opportunity. Exactly. Um, We have an email here from Anna Lee who says, I'm a 32-year-old introverted female, and I find that when my extrovert husband and I are going to a restaurant, I have to sit in a corner facing a wall or outward. I dislike sitting close to people or seeing them look at me while I eat, and I feel a sense of being trapped and uncomfortable. Is this a common public issue for introverts, or does this lean toward a social phobia? And we'll we'll caution people, you are not a a psychiatric professional, but... um, No, not even close. Um, well, there there may be some relationship between introversion and sensory issues. So it could be a matter of overwhelm. I don't I don't think that introversion I don't think has anything to do with not like being watched to eat or or you know I I think shyness in a way can make us feel like we're the center of attention mm-hmm. and and that people are paying more attention to us than they actually are and it could be something like that. But I don't think I don't think that would be introversion. I think when in doubt, if you think you might have a social phobia, it wouldn't probably hurt to talk to this an expert exactly about that. This is exactly true, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go on the phone now to Kristen in Denton. Hey, Kristen. Hi. Uh, my husband and I are both introverts, and sometimes I accuse him of hogging all the introverts <laughs> <laughs> because we will go so long without talking, and I feel like if I'm always the one to have to engage him in conversation. I feel like it's more of a laziness um, or a selfish aspect. I just wonder what you thought about. Um, introverts needing to um, put themselves out there more and engage another person, even with the even with their partner. You're saying yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I can see that happening. I I tend to sometimes just think, eh, you know, who cares? Why do I, you know, why bother talking? And, you know, <laughs> sometimes I'll 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 start a sentence and then I'll lose interest in the middle, and my husband will be like, "Yes, <laughs> I'm going to finish that." But I think that's the kind of thing that a couple of introverts might need to talk. If, if you're feeling shut out, and I, I often hear from extroverts who feel shut out from their introverted spouse, and I think that is an issue. And I think there's only so far that introverts can say, well, I'm an introvert, and so therefore this is what I do. If you're making your the person you love unhappy, then it's time to say, okay, how can I meet in the middle, and how, how can we work this out so that I'm, you know— not torturing you. And, you know, it may be that you'll need to set the the topic of today is, you know, like we were talking about, my husband and I, when we get home from work, sometimes we'll ask each other, well, what made you happy today? And this gives us a, a point of the springboard to talk about other things. And so it might be that even something as simple as that could help. Um, do you find in, you know, you've done all these interviews, once people frame their, the reasons they're a great couple and the reasons that they struggle as a couple, uh, at least in part according to this, do you find that that helps people who maybe hadn't thought that that was a, a source of either, um, you know, affinity or tension in the past? It seems to have. I When I was talking to all these introverts, and a lot of it was an email I, in our introverted way, I heard that a lot. It's like, I hadn't really thought about it, but that's that, that's really part of it. Or, or you know, couples who are introvert, extrovert, I hadn't really thought about that, but that's one of the things I really appreciate about my extroverted partner. So I think it really does sort of, it's, it's a light bulb over your head, and, and it gives you a new way to see and appreciate each other and a new way to work through conflict. Will you go out to that hot new restaurant for Valentine's Day, or would you rather stay home and uh, cook we something? We would probably stay in. Mm-hmm. We we don't go out much on Valentine's Day. 
because it's too chaotic and too expensive. Yeah, no, everything that's <laughs> twice is expensive. Um, all right. Well, uh, writer Sophia Dembling's new book is called Introverts in Love, The Quiet Way to Happily Ever After. And you have a blog as well. Tell us yes, where to find on, that. Yes, it's on Psychology Today, and it's called The Introverts Corner. And if you happen to have friends in Austin, I'll be at Book People tonight. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Think is produced by Stephen Becker and engineered by Shelley Canavy. Lindsay Connect is associate producer with help on the phones today from Kristen Taylor. Our executive producer is Jeff Whittington. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Boyd Think, and you can contact the show via email at think at kera.org. Once again, I'm Chris Boyd. Thanks for listening and have a great day. <laughs>